when you're saying yes to things that are actually meaningful, when you're saying yes to things that are going to further what is most important to you, and sometimes that is someone else. Like sometimes I say yes to my kid things that I really, like, really, really don't want to because it's important to him and because family is an important value for me. So I'm actually engaging in self-care by saying yes to something I don't want to do. But ultimately, it's about the importance of what you do day over day. Because you're right, you can so easily go down this crazy rabbit hole of doing things that you don't want to do or aren't important. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Now, before I introduce my wonderful guest today, I just want to ask you a couple questions. I would love to know how often are you feeling stressed or maybe even overwhelmed? Is it once a day, multiple times a day, maybe just a couple times a week? And if you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed, what is it that's causing you to feel that way? If you're listening in for the first time, I just want to say welcome to the show. You know, stress comes up a lot on this podcast because many of the women that I meet struggle with it. And I, well, it's quite obvious if you've listened to episodes that I have struggled with it too. You know, when I was in practice, about 90% of my visits were stress-related ailments and complaints. And we know statistically that 75% to 90% of all doctor's visits are stress-related particularly around those complaints. Now today I am joined by Dr. Samantha and we are talking about overcoming overwhelm naturally. Now, if I can be fully transparent for just a moment, I have spent many years feeling overwhelmed and it's such an unexplainable feeling. It's also very tangible and very encompassing, like it just takes over your entire body. Now, Dr. Samantha is gonna be explaining exactly how to identify for ourselves when we may be experiencing overwhelm so that we can be equipped with the right tools like essential oils to disrupt those stress patterns. You know, I talk a lot about this in my new book, The Essential Oils Hormone Solution. I actually have devoted an entire chapter on the biomechanics and understanding what is happening with stress, how it impacts our hormones, and how it can eventually impact the way that we live our life. But then I also give you a lot of incredible solutions. Now, before we jump into this epic conversation on overwhelm and how to overcome it, I just want to take a moment. As you guys know, it's still the first month of the year, and we had made a decision back at the end of last year, I want to say about around November, because of all the feedback that we were getting from each and every one of you. And what we had learned is that you guys were loving the episodes, so we decided to double down and create two episodes per week. So I've been getting responses. We are seeing listeners go up. So I just want to say thank you so much for listening in. You know, we have a lot of epic interviews lined up for the new year, and you are not going to want to miss them. I'm interviewing some of my favorite doctors, hopefully yours as well, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, Dr. Jolene Brighton, Dr. Alan Christensen, Ocean Robbins, and so many more. So look out for two episodes dropping every single week, every Tuesday and Friday. And I will also be jumping on in a little bit more, just doing some episodes on women's hormone health, giving you a good understanding of what is happening in the body. And all of these topics, as you can imagine, are related to my upcoming book, The Essential Oils Hormone Solution, which as you may know, is 
less than a month away at this point. I just, ooh, pinch me. It's coming so close. You know, it's coming out on February 12th, 2019. Although this is book number seven for me, it is by far the most important work I've done to date. And that's why I can't thank you enough. We already have a lot of people ordering the book and pre-ordering the book. It has spent the last 10 weeks on the number one new release and bestsellers list on Amazon. And let me tell you, this was a labor of love. It was almost two years in the making. I've poured my heart and soul and I don't know, I think about 2,000 hours into this book. So as a small token of my amazing appreciation, I have created the most incredible bonus goodies as a big thank you for pre-ordering a copy of my upcoming book, The Essential Oils Hormone Solution. And why I wanted to create these bonus goodies is that, well, the book isn't out just yet. It's so close. But I wanted to give you something. I wanted to give you something that you can begin to instantly use to really start to balance your hormones, create powerful self-care, and so much more. So all you got to do in order to get these instant goodies is you just go and pre-order the book off with your favorite online retailer. It could be anywhere. And then you're just going to head over to drmarisa.com. That's D-R-M-A-R-I-Z-A.com slash hormone book. And it's in my profile and Instagram. It is on the website. I mean, it is everywhere. It'll be in the show notes here as well. And then step three, you just enter in your details and your bonus goodies are instantly in your inbox. And I just can't wait. So what you're going to be getting, because I just love sharing some of the bonuses. I mentioned them just a second, but you get my self-care rituals video series, which was so much fun to make my hormone masterclass series, the five expert interviews that I loved for the Essential Oils Hormone Summit. You get instant access to module one of my Essential Oils 101 course, and you get all of these epic cheat sheets, including my supplement hormone guide, five ways to banish cravings, and how to balance your hormones in your purse. So much more. These are just some of my favorite things that are coming. In case you were wondering, like you've been hearing about the book a little bit, or maybe this is the first time you even heard about the book, I just want to tell you a little bit about what it's supposed to be about. Basically, this book was designed as a step-by-step program to help reset the body through focused and deliberate changes in daily self-care rituals, aided every step of the way with essential oils, nutrition, and just powerful, powerful recommendations that I know that you're going to love. If you're an oil person, you are going to love this book. It's got hundreds of essential oil recipes, lifestyle changes, and you're going to be able to solve specific needs like fixing the fatigue problem to get more energy, stubborn weight gain, belly fat, women's hormones, so fertility, perimenopause, menopause, and helping libido, emotional balance, cognitive challenge, digestion, and detoxification because it's all interconnected. We've got chapters on every single one of these things. And then I lay out a three-part plan with my hormone trifecta, which is by far my favorite thing in the book because who doesn't want just a simple plan to be able to implement? You know, when I was sick several years ago, I just wanted someone to give me a path, to give me a way out of that hormone chaos that I was experiencing. 
So if you want, go and grab the book. You just have to go to my book bonus page, drmarisa.com slash hormone book. Claim those $300 worth in bonuses instantly. I know you're going to love the book as much as I do. And if there's somebody in your life that you feel would really benefit from this content, really benefit from just getting their hormones back on track because they have not been able to find an answer and no one is listening to them, then I just really would love for you to share this with them because I know that there is something for every woman in this book. All right, now that I've done a little shout out, I just can't tell you how excited I am about this. And you know, so much of what this podcast is about is really helping to create CEOs in you when it comes to becoming, just understanding your healthcare, understanding your body, knowing what's going on. And that is exactly why I wrote this book. All right, let's get into this conversation about how to overcome overwhelm with natural solutions. But before I do, I want to quickly sing the praises of Dr. Samantha. So Dr. Samantha Brody is a licensed naturopathic physician and acupuncturist. She's the founder of Evergreen Natural Health Center in Portland, Oregon. And for decades, she has been practicing and taking care of patients. She has helped them to transform their lives with innovative and personalized approaches. She is also the author of Overcoming Overwhelm, Dismantling Stress from the Inside Out. It is out now as of January 2019. Let me tell you, this book is phenomenal and she's, man, she is speaking my language. So you're going to love this interview with Dr. Samantha and I. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Dr. Samantha. How are you doing today, girl? I am great. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. And I am so happy to have you. We are talking about a a topic that, girl, I probably talk about every single day because let's be honest, the struggle is real. And it is all about your book, which I can't tell you how beyond a place excited I am to get my hot little hands on this at the beginning of 2019. And that is overcoming overwhelm because we're looking to dismantle our stress from the inside out. That is powerful. Tell me a little bit about what was the impetus? What was your journey around not only deciding to write this book, but really kind of deciding that understanding and what I consider to be the number one precursor for so many chronic conditions in the body, um, but understanding stress and how to get our handle on it. I'm a naturopathic physician and an acupuncturist in Portland, and I'm in my 22nd year of practice this year. I found that over the years, more and more and more, what I realized is that you can't separate out health conditions from your overall state of what's happening in your life. So I started working with patients one-on-one, and then when I was working online with clients one-on-one, and I wanted to be able to reach more people with the idea that we need to be able to dismantle our stress instead of just managing it, because people try so hard to manage it, and they add more and more things to their pile, and it doesn't allow for the space to create a life that actually lines up with what's most important to us. It started, therefore, with my practice and what I was seeing day over day with chronic illness and people being frustrated and not getting better and not knowing what to prioritize or how to manage getting healthy. And this was a way to bring it to more people. I love that. I I think that's so important. So you were seeing it with your own eyes every single day with your patients, kind of the underlying situation was this stress. Now, what is the difference between managing and dismantling? What does that look like for you? 
The first thing I would say is that I think about stress a little bit differently. So there's no great definition of stress. There's stress insofar as the hormones your body makes. There's stress insofar as how you respond to things. But there's no universal definition of stress. I think about stress as being the accumulation of all of the things and all of the domains of our lives that accumulate to lead to overwhelm. And overwhelm then manifests as whatever our weak spot is. So whatever your genetic disposition is or whatever your history and your body is, to end up as the end game of what overwhelm is leading to. So if you have headaches, I say, well, that's actually due to not just stress of, I feel stressed, but the stress of the accumulation of all of the different things going on in your life that make your bucket or your ability to handle stress overflow, right? So the idea that managing stress is just dealing with it once it exists, but actually dismantling it is looking at what do you really want to be doing? Who do you want to be? What are your values? What's most important? And then taking the things out that you can identify as stress, but you can't, you don't always have control over stress, especially those of us who are driven. I think you're in that category too, Melanie. That girl, I can't tell you (laughs) how many moments I, I think about when I think about stress. So often I think about, and I talk a lot about utilizing the usage of essential oils. I have like an overwhelm be gone blend. Lovely. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so delicious because it should be delicious in those moments where it feels like everything is about to implode because that's what stress, that's what overwhelm feels like to me. Like I'm at this point of no return, this breaking point where the lid is about to blow off. Yeah, exactly. But the reframing also in that overwhelm is, is existing even when you're not about to blow your lid. So that's the different framing, I think. So we need to have things like the essential oil blends and the outside the box stress management things to be able to implement when we do blow our lids and when things are really kind of at that very edge. But the overwhelm is going on anyway. We're managing it right day over day over day. You have all these different moving pieces. We can't have, even when you do everything you want to do, even if it's just what you want to do, not even what you need to do or what you're supposed to do or the glitches that happen, you know, when you're working on your book launch and your landing page isn't working or, you know, whatever the thing is that's setting you off kilter in that moment. The book is this four-step process to look at what's most important. How do you want to feel? How do you want to show up in the world? And what do you want to accomplish when you look back at your life? And then looking at how you make change best. And then finally saying, well, what are the stresses and what do I have control over? What do I don't have control over? What do I want to do? And what are the things that ultimately, you know, this thing may be on your list, on your to-do list that's adding to your overwhelm, but you don't need to do it or you can delegate it or it's not actually lined up with what's most important to you because ultimately you can't do it all, right? We just can't. And then you end up getting sick with whatever your weak spot is. I just recently learned, this is ridiculous, but I don't mind sharing this. I just recently learned that you can't do it all <laughs> because I honestly believe this fallacy, this superwoman fallacy that I could, that I could figure out a way to make it all work. And, you know, I think there's this thing this that maybe not even a myth, but for a long time, I believed it was a myth that as women, women, we can't have it all. You always hear that. You just, you can't have all the things at once. And I was like, that is wrong. I am here to disprove that. And because of my trying to disprove this moment, because I just feel like as women, we deserve to have it all. I don't, maybe I'm just, again, maybe I still have blinders on, but in the process of deserving to have it all, I have driven myself into overwhelm. That was that point of no return, that moment where you're right, seizing up those priorities, recognizing what's got to give. And I've never had more clarity around having to get clear priorities of what matters more than this year. 
if I had to say, what did I learn most in 2018? Well, I learned that I couldn't have it all. <laughs> That's what I learned this year. That's how you define all too, right? So doing everything versus doing all the things that you want to do that are important to you or doing everything versus what's expected of you and, and adjusting your expectations around what's really important to us instead of what it appears, right? This idea too, it's the flip side of the pressure on women, right? We should be able to do it all. And then the backlash of, no, forget it. I can't, you, you know, I can't do it all. And then the backlash of, but there are things that I want to do and you don't want to limit what you can do, especially if you're really driven. That's okay. It's okay to be busy. There's this, you know, this trope where you shouldn't be busy. Busy is bad. Busy is the new this, it's the new that. It's okay to be busy if you want to be busy, right? It's about what you want to do, not about what society says that we should do as women, as doctors, as you know, friends, as parents, whatever that is. It's about knowing what's important, you know, a step-by-step process of who do you want to be and what's important to you? And then what are the things that we go after, right? You can't do it all. That just, it doesn't even sound good really, right? So having it all versus doing it all, I think might be a, an interesting differential there, right? Having it all is the things that are most important to you, having those things versus doing every damn thing. <laughs> yeah, well, let's talk about the doing every darn thing, right? Because I think that's exactly, you had mentioned this, and this is where we get in trouble. I think we, as women, because that's who I'm mostly working with, I think that's who you're mostly working with. I know that my women are struggling with their hormones because I think there was this lie that was told to us, or I don't know, or maybe it's built into our DNA. I'm not exactly sure how it happens, but that we do have to tackle all the things that come to us and that everything's this rushing priority and that we're running around like these rushing women, you know, from one thing to a next. And I always, I always tell women, like, do you ever find yourself rushing to something that you don't even have to rush to just because it's built into who you are? right? That there was no reason for you to get there at that particular time, that you're just constantly always on the run, always busy, always running late, you know, and, and that's how we, that's how we live our life. Talk to me about if this is what you're seeing. I know this is what I have fallen victim to myself, or maybe I wouldn't necessarily, I was a victim to it. I definitely played the, the big role in it that I had to manage all of the, whatever seemingly priorities that there were, even though they weren't even that important. Right. I think there are two pieces of that. I think the first piece is that everyone's going to have their own roadblocks to being able to live the life that aligns with what's most important to them. And there's going to be a reason behind rushing around, right? Is it people, is it people pleasing? Is it not wanting to disappoint someone? Is it wanting to feel accomplished? Is it wanting to look like a certain someone that shows up in a certain way, right? So getting clear about what's driving it in the first place, instead of saying, okay, I don't, the second part of that is exercises, which is the first part of the book, is looking at what your values are and how you want to feel. The actual, like literally getting those words in hand so you can vet your choices, that choice over choice, but getting clear about why, why am I doing this? Is it a societal expectation? Is it because my, you know, my mother said that I was never going to have friends if I was bossy or, you know, whatever the thing is going back to whatever our own personal glitches and issues are that drive our choices to show up in whatever way it is that we show up. And is that how we want to show up? Not just when we show up, but how, <laughs> how we show up, right? How yeah. we want to show up, right? So, is that the first step here? Is figuring out why the heck we're running around all over the place with all these priorities that may not be that important? Is figuring out what's driving this behavior that's driving us into overwhelm? That's a huge piece of it. The first, for me, the, the way that I set it up, although really this is just the way the book is set up, there are a million different ways to get at what's important to you. So, in the book, the first step is literally doing exercises around what are, what are your most important values? What is actually really important to you? And then how do you want to feel 
day over day. Do you, you know, some people want to feel happy. Some people want to feel accomplished. Some people want to feel settled, right? It's going to be very different. So understanding how, you know, how you want to show up. And then the next step is looking at what's keeping me from getting where I want to go. And then what things do I need to put in place to get there? So the first part of that is saying, all right, is it the perfectionism? Is it this? And really being honest with yourself. I think a lot of times we're not honest with ourselves, maybe because we haven't had the, taken the time to do so. Maybe because we really just never took a minute to think about it. Being really honest with ourselves about what is keeping us from where we want to be, because no one's, you know, we're not lazy keeping us from making changes and we're not. I wouldn't say that to be true. Yeah. I don't think we're lazy. But I think a lot of times people think they're, well, I'm not, I'm not making healthy lunches because I'm lazy and I'm not, you know, so we add all these self-care things. It's kind of going in a different direction from your question, but we add all these self-care things. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to eat healthfully. I'm going to go to the gym. And now we're just adding this big old list of stuff that we're supposed to do for quote unquote self-care. And we don't have the time or the bandwidth to do it because it might not be important because we may not have cleared away other things that are taking up space that don't need to be taking space. And then we just give ourselves a heap of a hard time for not doing what we quote unquote should be doing or doing quote unquote enough. I'm making little air quotes, which you can't see on the radio. I can feel those air quotes. (laughs) So the layer upon layer of difficulty, which is also really typical for women, right? It's part of this, well, if you're not doing it all, what's wrong with you? There's something wrong with you. You're not good enough. You're not dedicated enough. You're not driven enough. You're not X, Y, or Z. So then we become busy to try to prove to ourselves in the world, like, yes, I can. You know, I may not be doing this, but at least I'm doing this. And what we end up doing is similar to when you're a kid and you don't study for a test, right? Well, if I don't study, if I fail, if I fail it, then it was really not about me. (laughs) It was about the external situation. So values are important. How about belief? When I was struggling with hormone issues, I knew that my hormone issues were tied to my lifestyle, that I had spun myself as a Tasmanian devil for over a decade. I was the girl in high school who literally ran on those five minute or 10 minute breaks between classes because I was in every activity. I was the editor of the newspaper. I had lunches with the president of school. I mean, I was literally running from one thing to the next. And I remember just thinking, gosh, this, I'm really accomplished. I can getting so much done if I run, literally run to things and, you know, found myself in a tailspin about, I don't know, 11, 12 years later. And when I started to uncover and unpeel, like who built in this, this programming? And I was trying to go back to, you know, where this all came from. And I realized that I had this deep seated belief that I, my worth was, was predicated, was driven by my productivity and by what I could do for other people. And until I figured out a way to let that belief mindset go, I was going to continue to fall back into these patterns over and over and over again. Is that the same as these values or is it a deeper layer? I think it's very similar. Interestingly, there's actually, so I call those roadblocks, right? The things that are keeping keeping you from actually understanding what's keeping you from making choices that line up with your values and the roadblocks that I talk about in the book are perfectionism, your subconscious beliefs, blaming other people and finger pointing, uh, self-sacrifice, feeling like you don't have quote unquote enough time. And sometimes it's a brain chemistry imbalance also, or feeling uncomfortable with feeling uncomfortable also. And those are just a few of them, right? And so those are big ones, Dr. Samantha. Yeah. And so looking at which of those things are important for you, and then thinking, keeping that in mind as you're moving forward. So that's kind of creating a, you know, and some of us have all of those things to some extent, but what are the things that really keep you from being able to line up your choices in your life with your values? And once we understand what the values are, we can then look at, 
you know, is it a belief? Is it this? Is it that? And sometimes it's, you know, I sometimes tell my patients, this is a therapy issue. If you're doing the same thing over and over, right? What is that quote? You know, the, the definition of... Oh, yeah. Oh, the definition of insanity. Right. Like, doing the same thing over and over again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Different. It just feels like so many of us are just running in just in these tangent circles right. and well, we can't seem to get nature, out of it. Right? That's human nature. And I, I think a lot about biology, right? With the hormones. And this is how we are driven. And I always want to talk about, well, why does this make sense? Why does it make sense that when, you know, I had a patient the other day who was saying that, you know, she didn't want to take, you know, a certain supplement because you should be able to get everything you need from your food. And I said, yeah, but you also shouldn't be sitting on your butt all day in front of a computer and under artificial lights and getting six hours of sleep a night and never getting your feet on the earth. And, you know, we just simply don't live in a way that's nat- you know, that's natural. We don't gather our food. We don't, you know, all these things that are natural for humans that ideally, you know, I mean, actually, I wouldn't want to live like that. You no, know, I don't want to, I don't want to just gather my right? food. I don't want to, right. I don't want to do that. I don't want to gather my food. <laughs> food and they were suffering. I also said, you know, some, I said, you know, we never lived to be 60, 70 years old. So as your body, you know, someone said, oh, I don't want to take all these pills. And I said, you don't, you don't have to take them. We have to make a decision about what's most important what you're going to prioritize and how you're going to get that need met. But someone may say, I would rather take a supplement to help me calm down than quit drinking coffee because I love coffee. When you're a grown up, you can do whatever you want. But where is it that you're saying, this is something I want, but yet you're not doing it or getting to it? And why? So that's the piece you were just talking about with this, you know, with the really getting brutally honest with yourself, which ultimately I think is the most important thing for any kind of personal growth or approach to your health. Well, if you're looking to change these hardwired behaviors that are now being driven by not only neurotransmitters, but hormones, I mean, you're talking about you really got to unpeel the layers. So that first step is one, core values, and two, distinguishing and recognizing what those roadblocks are. And then we can start to work on. So let's say I do, let's say I recognize I, Dr. Marisa, had serious belief mindset issues. You know, I grew up in a family of high achieving women and I always wanted to be a high achiever. Let's just say I figured it out. And let's say I know, and I'm like looking at it, I'm like, well, let, although there have been some, some, I wouldn't even say them false wins, but definitely wins. I've, I've t- taken advantage of living that way of life, but I've had some major detrimental health setbacks because of it. And I've got to change the way I operate. I got to change the operating system. What do I do now? How do I, how do I get through? This is the million dollar question, right? Dr. Samantha girl, this is why you wrote that book. My approach to that is first of all, owning that. I think it's okay to be driven as long as it's not impacting your health negatively. So if the thing you want to do is be accomplished, which is a completely legitimate desire, right? As long, you know, looking at, is it a pathological desire or is it actually a legitimate desire for me? And then looking at where can we decrease our overall stress load so we have the bandwidth to do those things. And then if we continue to fill up and overflow, it means it's an, you haven't really dealt with the underlying issue. It, it does have some pathological aspect to it. And for me, the way that I am framing it in this book is looking at the accumulation of stresses that you might not even think about as being stresses or identify as things that are filling up your bucket. I think about our ability to handle stress as a bucket. And lots of different things go in there and they tend to be the same category. So your genetic dispositions, your history, and you can't change those things, but being under less stress, you're less likely to turn on a gene that might cause you health issues. You can change the way you interact with your past, even though you can't change your past. But there are so many things that we do have control over. Are you going to eat six donuts or one? 
Are you going to go for a walk or scroll through your phone for an hour and a half on Facebook because you're tired? Are you going to go to see your chiropractor, your naturopath or your health provider and see what supplements are going to support you best? Or are you going to go and you know, just get overwhelmed and leave the 20,000 bottles of stuff you purchased sitting in your cupboard or, you know, all of those different things. Or are you going to straighten up your desk if that's something that's for you is an important thing to do? And the process in the book, we actually go through, here are the categories of stress. Here are main stresses in each of those categories, which things are impacting you. And then the very last step of coming up with a plan is looking at, well, what are the really non-negotiable things that I have to get rid of? You know, I ha- I'm going to have to know, clean my house because I have a terrible dust allergy and I'm getting horrible headaches. It may be that that's a non-negotiable thing that needs to happen. But many other things, you're going to say, all right, I'm going to choose to change this or I'm going to not choose to not change this. I had a, one of the examples I give in the book is a squeaky keyboard drawer that I had at the office. It was driving me absolutely batty. Every time I opened it, it was like, you know, open and close and open and close. And I tried to fix it a couple times. It didn't work. Finally, after, I'm not kidding you, a year of getting frustrated eight, 10, 12 times a day, I took the whole thing apart, realized that I either needed to get a new keep, you know, new desk or hire someone to come and fix it. And I said, I don't want to spend the money on that. That is not my choice of what I want to spend money on. I am now putting this into the things I'm choosing not to change category. Therefore, it is not going to stress me out anymore. And so being very clear about what things are impacting you. And there are sometimes small things. It's a, a when your hormones are out of balance, it's hard to have the energy that you want to have to accomplish what you have to accomplish. Well, if you're using chemical cleaning products in your house that are affecting your hormone level, that's a very easy thing you can change. It's not going to fix the problem, but it's one thing that small thing that you can do to now accumulate the changes in your life that are then going to allow you the space to do the things that you do want to do. And that may be being busy. like, it's okay if someone chooses to do that, if it's not coming from a pathological place. That was a very long answer, but I think that that gets to what you were shooting for. Yes, absolutely. It does. I know one of those things is just kind of letting, deciding to let go. Are there moments, I know a big part for me in my journey was I was holding on to a lot of obligations, just getting real clear and obligations I didn't even enjoy. That's why they were obligations. And it's amazing to me how much we sign up for when we didn't, you know, out of being polite or out of pleasing people or who knows, you know, all of the reasons why we decided to do that. Is there a part where, where you kind of do some of that cleansing, where you have to decide what you're ready to say no to or listening to your body and deciding what it's ready to say yes to? Yeah, one of the exercises in the book actually has you go over, go through your, you know, gathering all your to do's in one place and then saying, what can I just literally cross off this list? What can I beg out of? What can I delegate? Because again, we so often, you know, looking, looking underneath it in the future, right? How am I going to not take on so many things, but down the pike. And I actually have a great, my, my favorite tip for that is to never say yes to anything when someone asks you, but say, I, wow, that sounds really interesting. I'm going to need to look at my schedule and see if I can make that work. So there's always a break before you say yes. And then it gives you the opportunity to, you know, email the answer no, if you're uncomfortable saying the answer no in person and also to vet it. Like, is this actually something I want to do? It's, you know, kind of like having for me, I have a limit. I can't purchase anything over X dollars without giving it 
48 hours to think about. So I don't make expensive impulse purchases, even if they're the best boots ever, you know, and a couple of times I've lost out on on a great pair of shoes, but you know, for whatever it is that I was going to buy that is no longer on sale or no longer available. But for the most part, what it's allowed me to do is step back and make choices that line up with my values, whether that's about where I'm going to go on vacation or whether that's about something I'm going to buy to think about, is this something that I really want to do or buy? And anytime that you do that, you're more likely to have the opportunity to say, to say no, because saying no is hard for a lot of people in many, many different ways. And that's part of that societal expectation again, right? We're going back around to women are expected to, you know, of course, it's a bit of a generalization, but as a rule in our culture, women are expected to be accommodating. It's built into what's expected of us. I was taught to be accommodating. I'm, I'm horribly, I'm not accommodating, <laughs> but I was taught. It took me a long time to unteach that. And that doesn't mean that you're not being kind. I think we mix that up so often too as women, right? Well, if I say no, or if I say that's something I'm not going to do or I don't want to do, that's unkind. But actually it isn't. And Or it's selfish. Or it's selfish. And ultimately, mm-hmm. That's the one I always hear. Right. And you know, for women with children, that comes up all the time too, because we actually want to... I want to teach my kid that it's okay to say no and to be conscious about what you really want, right? I don't want to model saying yes to everything and being completely overwhelmed and not doing what I need to do to take care of myself. And But that's even for people we love too and our friends. It's not just kids. Oh, it's most importantly, the people we love most, right, that we have the hardest time saying no to. For sure. There was a couple of years ago, I want to say about five years ago, I had asked a woman to speak at a retreat that I was doing. I may have even asked her in person. I thought she'd be the most perfect person. She was this amazing yogi. And she said, you know what? I need to check in and see if this is in alignment with what I'm doing. And I remember I was, I was so in awe of that moment. I was like, wait, you what? And I thought, ooh, that it was so good. You know, and I think she ultimately ended up saying yes. But I was, I was like, I need that superpower. That's bravery. That's that's being very brave to say that. And I mean, and that's kind of the, you know, that's the end game. I think to be able to say that and feel comfortable with it, but right, part and of take ownership be- of that. There's a confidence in that. And you don't. I don't think I still. By the way, five years later, I still don't say that. I'm just going to say that right now. I was just so amazed. but and, and maybe some people would even take maybe a little bit of offense or be like to off put by that. But I was so in awe in that moment of someone who knows themselves. Part of it too is not caring what someone's response is. So for her to be authentically saying like, I need to check if it's in alignment, you can also say, I need to see if that's going to, you know, I need to think about whether that can work for me right now, which is the same thing without maybe, you know, saying that. For me, I would be impressed with that also. But uh, somebody, you know, I think it's okay, you know, that line between saying no without hurting someone's feelings. But again, is that placating? Maybe we don't need to do that. I mean, maybe that's a societal expectation too. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, at what point do you really say, I don't care? You know, I don't care what this person thinks. It's very hard. That's so strongly culturally driven, which is another decision that we need to make on an ongoing basis. Is this something that I'm going to choose to do? You know, I'll give you shaving your armpits, right? So women will say, well, I choose to shave because I like the way it feels. Well, yeah, you wouldn't have even have thought of shaving your armpits if our culture didn't de-hair women, right? And, you know, it's still my choice whether I'm going to wear makeup or whether I'm going to shave 
But ultimately, it's still driven by the societal expectations. So being able to acknowledge that around what we say yes to and what we say no to, as well as what our choices are in our lives and what's most important to us. And do we want to live a, you know, for me, I want to live an unconventional life. I don't want to make my choices based on what I'm supposed to do on principle. I love all of that. I am so glad we were able to kind of dive into that. What does it look like to say no? What does it look like to reevaluate what makes us happy? And like you said, it may not even be that's the value that you're looking for. You know, I'd like to believe that we all want to be happy. I think ultimately it's what we want, but I know that we're all driven by different values, but saying no or yes to the things that will get us closer to that value that means something I know is such an important aspect of this conversation. Okay, girl, I'm going to pivot a little bit okay, because you know, and I know how important self-care is here. And I just want to predicate this by saying that self-care has been the thing that has saved my life because I still feel like I am hardwired towards some behaviors and I don't think that they're necessarily pathological. I think that they, they, everyone wins when I'm rocking out on some of those, but I do know that having self-care in place in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening allows me to be who I am, to have those drivers and still be healthy. Can we talk about self-care? Yeah, I really think about, I mean, ultimately, I feel like the ultimate self-care is making choices that line up with your values. But that is different than self-care kind of from a stress management perspective, because we have to have those tactics too, especially those of us who are really driven. You know, my husband will, I'm not kidding you, will sit and watch the sprinkler for half an hour. I'm like, what is even happening out there? You know, and that's just like built into who he is. That's hilarious. I, I, I have nowhere to imagine that, but I want to support him to do that because he is wired like that. He doesn't really need to engage in self-care, but people who are wired like you or who are wired like me, having outside the box tactics and putting them in place as a priority is imperative. But what those things are and deciding what those things are, rather for me, rather than saying, okay, well, I'm going to pick things from the tropes that we see in our culture, the, you know, get a mani-pedi or a bath or meditate. And not that those things aren't important or good, but being very clear that we have a limited amount of time. And is it also self-care to organize your to-do list? Well, for me, it is. For me, organizing my to-do list is a much better act of self-care, a much more beneficial, impactful use of self-care than, say, curling up in my room and painting my toenails. Whereas for someone right, else... Right. Girl, I could one, I can't even do that. Right. <laughs> You never want me painting anyone's nails, for that matter. Fair enough. (laughs) Or a bath. The the standard self-care, the idea, the whatever we kind of blow self-care up to be, it just isn't, like you said, aligning priorities, getting clear on what I'm doing that day, having my oils, eating nutritious foods, moving my body, making myself a priority in the morning before everyone else's stuff and priorities and crap end up on my plate. Yeah. Those are the things that, that, that keep me grounded. Do you think people tend to frame that when they hear the term self-care, do you think people think about that? Because that's what I'm talking about is actually being self-care. I feel like when people talk about self-care in general, that they tend to think about those things that are, you know, the more the, well, you know, the listicle of what you can do to be less stressed at Christmas or whatever the thing is. I still think that that is what women think. I think when I know when I first started talking about self-care personally, I had women saying, well, I don't have time to do all these luxuries. And I was like, you must have me confused with someone who has time for those too. And not to say that I couldn't make time for those things if I wanted to, but that's not what I meant. I meant how we create lifestyle 
that's what I think self-care is to me. Right. It's lifestyle. It's reframing. It's making choices that line up with your values. It's doing things that allow you to accomplish what you want to accomplish and be who you want to be ultimately. And part of that is saying, I mean, I'm going to loop back around and saying no. To be able to say, I mean, just to learn how to say no might be the best self-care you could engage in in the world. It's my favorite word. (laughs) It's my favorite word. I'm a big delegator and I'm a big no-sayer. You think about all the opportunities and all the things that come rushing at you every single day and to be able to take a pause and reevaluate because there's no way that if you allow all the things in that you won't feel overwhelmed. There's just too much today going on. So no has become one of my favorite words. And I know it's no is very much self-care for me. I relish being able to say no to things that don't serve. And even behaviors and habits that right. don't serve. And that makes the yes is more impactful. Talk to me about the win around saying yes. When you're saying yes to things that are actually meaningful, when you're saying yes to things that are going to further what is most important to you, and sometimes that is someone else. Like Sometimes I say yes to my kid things that I really, like, really, really don't want to do because it's important to him and because family is an important value for me. So I'm actually engaging in self-care by saying yes to something I don't want to do. But ultimately, it's about the importance of what you do day over day. Because you're right, you can so easily go down this crazy rabbit hole of doing things that you don't want to do or aren't important or I don't want people to feel like they can't, you know, quote unquote, waste time doing nothing. But so often we fill our time saying yes to something that isn't what we want to do, but it also doesn't get us closer to where we want to be. And it also takes up space in our brains and in our buckets that we really need that extra space because you're right, there's so much living on the plague every additional day, there's going to be more stress, which is why stress management doesn't work in the first place. It may work in the moment, but stress management doesn't stop the accumulation. It's really knowing what to say no and what to say yes to, which is actually how that's the underlying premise here, right? How do you know what and how do you know what to say no to and what to say yes to of those self-care items, of the tasks, of the goals, of the relationships, right? That too. Like who are like who are you spending your time with? Is that something that's overwhelming to you? Spending time with people that are drained, spending time with people who you feel obligated to spend time with. Spending, you know, what what are you doing with your days? How you spend your days is how you spend your life. Oh my goodness, isn't that the truth? And talk about the toxic people. So often we have to really look and evaluate who we're spending our time with and how that is impacting us. Probably one of the biggest things I had said no to back in the day was just I realized I looked around and I saw that I was surrounded by people that really kind of just sucked me dry in terms of energy, of resources. And it was one of the biggest things that I felt this massive weight off my shoulders when I was able to let go of the people that were wearing me down due to their negativity. It's so important. And I will add that your online space is also part of your life and the people you're spending time with. So the Facebook groups you're hanging out in, the podcasts you're listening to, the you know the interactions you're having with the Instagram feeds you're scrolling through, all those people, those are actually people in your life also. And the making sure that as we're choosing, like, okay, what's toxic to me? 
that space too, because so much of our lives, you know, especially those of us who have online businesses and, but really everyone, right. I mean, how much the, not everyone, but most people, I have a couple of friends who you know, have no interaction at all with social media, which is totally befuddling to me, but like how people can get away with not doing that. I'm like, Ooh, it sounds so good. That's amazing. <laughs> I was just being interviewed myself and we were talking about these clutch the pearls moments, especially on social, you know, you're, you're feeling you, you, you get caught up. So you read something someone says that it goes against your beliefs, or you end up in a conversation that is really testing your beliefs and you're just jacking up that cortisol. You're jacking up the sympathetic nervous system. I just call it, you're just constantly clutching the pearls. I feel like social media can be very much a many multiple clutch the pearls moments <laughs> throughout the day that can feel that that is just un, unwanted in terms of for your biochemistry, you know, finding yourself being just out of nowhere, just scrolling and scrolling yourself into a bad place. Right. And that we're driven to do that because of the dopamine, right? Now get back to the neurotransmitters. Like you're driven to follow those rabbit holes, which is so undermining to creating a sense of health for ourselves, right? Even if we do, you know, I don't want to throw social media under the bus are really great things about it. But when we are, well, you have a beautiful Instagram feed girl. I'm just going to (laughs) say, thank you. I love your Instagram. So that's fun for me. Right. So that's one of the places where, you know, I was just actually talking to some folks on my team the other day. Twitter is not so fun for me. I mean, sometimes I'm, you know, connecting with some people there, but that's not enjoyable for me. Curating a beautiful Instagram feed and taking photographs. Like I love that. I really actually enjoy it. And so that's a place for me where being on social actually aligns with my values in a way that other things don't. Although there's some places I need to be just because of my job. I can't completely get off of, you know, certain parts of Facebook because I'm trying to sell a book, you know, or whatever those things are. Thank you for saying that. I really Well, tell us your Insta handle because we're talking about it right now. Yeah, so all over social, I'm at Dr. Samantha ND, DR Samantha N is in naturopath, D is in doctor, all across all platforms. All right, so I have one more question for you. It's kind of the big one, the culmination of all of this. So here we have, we have listeners listening to us right now and they're just having this moment, this reckoning. Because you, the thing that you mentioned earlier in this interview is that, because I was talking about that boiling point, right? Where the pop is about to pop off. That's usually when I'm like, oh shoot, it's coming. But the, there's this undercurrent of overwhelm happening already right? That we talk about. And let's say someone's recognizing right this moment, Dr. Samantha, that that undercurrent is real. And besides getting the book, which by the way, everyone go get the book. My book is on its way right now. I already ordered it on Amazon. Two day prime girl, it's coming. So I'm getting, I almost, it's so close to having that book in my hand. So everyone it's available right now. It's available on Amazon. It's available everywhere books are sold. But besides getting that book and, and kind of doing that work, when I have this moment of reckoning, I have this realization, and now I'm thinking to myself, whew, I'm just feeling overwhelmed with the feeling of feeling overwhelmed. Where do I start first? Yes. The very first exercise in the book is the values exercise. And so I can go ahead and provide that values exercise for your listeners to actually engage in. So I would say starting there, and then a little teeny tiny thing that you can do that's actually a pretty fun in the end, even though it may not sound fun up front, is to make what I call a to-do hit list to lower your overall load right in this moment. So the big picture, we want to dismantle it, right? We want to figure out what's most important. Again, all those things are in the book or over time when you're ready. But you can make what's called a to-do hit list, which is to go to your to-do list if you have one, and if not, gather those things up or do a brain dump and make a list of all of the things that you could do that would take less than 10 minutes. And then put blocks on your schedule 
at a time that you ordinarily would be doing you know, something else for work or something else, part of your ongoing schedule. So often I will do that in the morning. So I'll make this to-do hit list and I'll say, okay, I'm going to do these six to 10 things. And then you just knock them off, the things that you've been putting off doing. And they can be small things that will just take a second, like responding to an email. And during that time, you can also cross things off. Like, oh, if there's something on your to-do list that you've been putting off for six six months, you can probably just take it off of your your list. So this kind of to-do hit list premise where you're coming up with things that you can get done easily and quickly and swiftly. So you feel a little bit more control over what it is that you have to do. So doing that at the same time that you're getting underneath things and saying, what's most important to me is a really, really great place to start. I love that. So we've got, we've got the values and I'm going to have, make sure that that's in the show notes. So I'll have a link to that. So you guys can work through that. We're getting started for that first piece. But then I do want to invite you to go and grab this book. I wanted Dr. Samantha on so badly because this is an area that I that I touch upon a lot. I've got oil blends for, you know, self-care built into. I know at one point in my life that overwhelm ruled everything in my world and it had such devastating implications. So I'm so grateful that you have done this work and you've really gotten to the core of how to help so many of us, you know, live the life that we want to live without feeling crushed by it. I think that's really what it comes down to. So Dr. Samantha, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your brilliance. Amazing. Thank you very much. That was a lovely conversation. It was really fun. All right, honey, we'll have a great day. I'm wishing you all the luck with this book. I know millions of women need it. So I'm just so grateful that you wrote it. Thank you. Do you feel like you have more clarity on what drives overwhelm now? I know that I personally appreciated Dr. Samantha's bucket theory for managing overwhelm. What is so exciting about Dr. Samantha's new book is that she shares this incredible four-part system. You know, I'm a big fan of systems because when we have a path to follow, it makes life so much easier because goodness knows, and Dr. Samantha knows this better than anyone, you know, giving someone this big old complicated plan is not going to make somebody less overwhelmed. And she is so dialed into that. So she's got this four-part system for dismantling stress. Just love that word dismantling, which I think is super powerful. And in case you didn't hear a little bit about it, but I just want to go over those four. Step one is finding your true north, right? Understanding what's important to you, how do you want to feel, which I think is so important. Step two is establishing that foundation. So figuring out, right? Identifying the roadblocks and assembling a team that can help you get you want where you want to be. Taking an overwhelm inventory, like what's causing stress? You know, I asked that question at the very beginning of this podcast. You know, what is it? Is it is it the way that you're thinking? Is it relationships? Is it too many obligations? Are you a dutiful person and you're doing all the things for everybody? Figuring that out, right? Taking that overwhelm inventory. And then step four, creating and launching a personal plan. How to create a plan that's really going to support your mind, body, and spirit. If this sounds like this really resonates with you, I highly recommend checking out her book. It will be in the show notes. Again, it's called Overcoming Overwhelm, Dismantling Stress from the Inside Out. Ooh, And it is on Amazon and all the places that you love to buy books. Well, thank you so much for stopping by and listening in to the Essentially You podcast. On the next episode, I am back in the hot seat. I'm so excited about it. And I'm bringing you exclusive content on why your hormones need a detox. So I think you're going to love it. I'm going to also have a special invitation for something that I am doing special for you. 
It is a beautiful program that I'm creating. It's actually a free little masterclass that I'm doing, and I will be sharing all the details in the next episode. So I can't wait to see you there. Until then, have a beautiful, beautiful day. Bye.